0: Hey guys, it's me, Dr. Katz. I wanted to talk to you today about kind of the do's and don'ts of um, conducting a gynecologist visit for an adolescent or a teen. Because believe it or not, there, there really are some do's and don'ts. There's some things to consider, you know, that are a little bit special and a little bit different when you're talking about a teenage patient. I would say first that you got to keep in mind the goals, right? The goals are to keep the teen patient informed and to keep the patient safe. And, you know, practicing things that are good for her health. So everything we're going to talk about is aiming towards those goals. Okay? So myself, I consider myself kind of a, not not the typical, you know, stiff, severe hair, very serious doctor. I tend to be more laid back. I've got tattoos. I'm kind of chatty. I like to talk with patients, not at them. And I think that helps me get farther, especially with some of the more anxious teen patients. So first thing I noticed when I walk into the room, right? Is it sometimes the parents there? or some other guardian or caregiver, sometimes there isn't, right? The first thing that I try to notice when I walk in the room is, does the patient even look at me? I've got to pay attention to their body language. You know, they can send me all kinds of different messages, whether it's negative or positive, right? So if I go in there and I'm shaking their hand and I'm you know, making good eye contact and they're making it back. If I, you know, lean forward a little bit when I'm talking to them and they lean back, these are all, you know, positive body language signs, right? As opposed to if I go in there and they don't even turn when I walk in the room, if they've got their head down, if they're trying to play with their phone, if they're You know, looking at their parent or whoever else is in the room with them, if they have kind of a frown on their face, I know that, you know, it's going to be a little more difficult and have to be a little more delicate in how to proceed to be able to get that patient to open up and hopefully have a productive visit. So I'm just saying body language, pay attention to the body language when you first enter the room, right? The other thing I like to do is kind of um, set the stage when I first walk in the room. You know what I mean? And I mean both with the patient and the parent, if the parent's there. So what I mean by that is usually I'll walk in and be like, Hey, I'm Dr. Katz. Very nice to meet you. Know What's your name? Even though I already know because I have their chart. But I just want to have them get those first words out to me. And I look directly at the patient, not necessarily the parent. I address both individuals separately. So I look at the patient first and what's your name? And hopefully they tell me their name. And then I turn to who I assume is the parent and I say, and are you mom? And usually I um, refer to the parent as mom or dad rather than their name. Cause I kind of want to convey that really My primary focus is on the patient. And so I kind of set the stage. I tell them right from the get-go, you know, it's all in all over our best interests for you to put your phone away. I want you to be able to make some eye contact with me. And I want you to let me somehow know that you are interested in your health and you're interested in being here in this room. And I will let you know the same, that I am interested in your health and I am interested in you being here. And I want to let you know that I think it's important that I speak with you. Speaking with your parent is also important, but you are my primary concern today. So I would like to have you talk with me in your best words as often as possible. And I kind of reiterate that same thing then while addressing the parent, that, you know, just just for a few minutes or less, just reinforce that we are here for the teen And that I want them to do as much talking as possible. And that I pre-let them know that there will be a point in time that I do with every single team patient where I have the parent leave the room. And that that is typical. And it has nothing to do with whether or not I suspect that there be information that they're holding back on or anything like that. But it's just something that I do. So then you set the tone as if that's just normal, standard procedure. Okay, so, um, then we kind of get started with the visit, right? And, um, I start off with getting a history, even though, you know, my nurse has already gone in and, uh, you know, kind of pre-questioned and filled some things in the chart and whatnot. I go ahead and go back over every single thing that my nurse emphasized. And I particularly emphasize what's known as the shades screen. So that's spelled shades. S-S-H-A-D-E-S-S. Shades. So that's an acronym, of course. So what do those letters stand for? They stand for strengths. They stand for school, they stand for home, they stand for activities, they stand for drugs, they stand for emotions, they stand for sexuality, and they stand for safety. Right? And this is a version of the earlier um, heads screen, but adds the additional areas of the strength, safety And emotions as opposed to just depression in the old screen. So, I mean, what's the point of all that, right? Those are all very important areas. And what you're trying to do in that initial history taking is try to get to any immediate dangers that you need to address right away and to kind of, you know, build your relationship before you go into the more, even more sensitive topics, right? So you want to have a therapeutic conversation that starts getting the patient to kind of, you know, let you know what her comfort level is. You know, you start with the less sensitive topics, their strengths, you know, what do you think is a good quality about you, how's school going, so how are things at home, who do you live with, that kind of stuff, and then slowly lead into questions about drugs or depression or their sexual practices or their general safety behaviors. Now, once I have gotten a history with everyone in the room, that's the point at which I have the parents step out and I remind them again that this is a usual practice, you know, that this is not specific to this one particular patient. And most of the time, the parent is more receptive when you present it that way to actually leaving the room. You know, and I, and I do this fully realizing that a lot of parents kind of come almost dragging their teens in for an appointment because they suspect something or they think they might be having sex or they think they might be in trouble and it sets kind of an adversarial tone to the beginning of the appointment. That's something that I try to undo because my main goal is to get that teen to communicate and not to withhold because I can't help them if they withhold, right? So I have the parent leave the room. And we go over those shade screen questions again. I ask them all about themselves. I show my genuine interest. You know, how are you doing? How are your emotions? Are you having sex? Are you protecting yourself? Are you, you know, valuing yourself? Are you practicing safe sex? Are you engaging in risky behaviors? What's the thing you're most concerned about today? And I go through in detail what exactly is going to happen in their examination? Now, depending on for me, the um, particular uh, situation for the particular patient that I'm working with, they may or may not get an exam. You know, if there's concern about infection or high risk behaviors or they're sexually active and multiple partners, I do tend towards recommending a gynecological exam as opposed to waiting. Till 21 for their first pap smear, as the national recommendations suggest. That's just my, my personal feeling on it. I also ask patients, and often in front of the parents, if I've got a situation where the parent is aware that the teen is having sex, the teen has disclose that to the parent, I ask them one very important question. And I preface the question by saying, that I'll just warn you that I've only gotten maybe five good answers in the last 25 years. And I literally ask the patient, so how did you know that you were ready to have sex? And most of the time I get a blank look at best, which is what I expect, right? Because we know that the vast majority of initial sexual encounters, especially for adolescents, don't involve a lot of forethought there are things that just happened or there were you know drinking involved or some kind of habit or practice that affected their thinking and things just kind of happened right and so I look at them and I said you know why I would ask you this question and here's why I asked that question I asked that question to see if they were really ready to say yes to everything that they actually just said yes to, as opposed to just the sex. I point out the differences in the maturity between men and women at that age. I point out that the likelihood of the permanence of that relationship as a teens is under 5%. I point out the risks of STDs. I point out the risks of getting pregnant, the risks of getting a reputation, um the extra potential stress, the how very short the actual active intercourse is itself, you know, and the fact that it is painful for them for the female, at least the first several times in the vast majority of cases. And I point out those things only to point out what they really have actually agreed to in exchange for having sex, that it, it just seems like there is a far greater potential burden on the part of the female than that, than there is for the male. And I just mention those things in terms of encouraging them to be safe and to value themselves and to not quantify their importance just in terms of their bodies that they've got brains and goals and dreams and emotions and personalities, all of which are important. And I also discuss um, the fact that in some relationships already as a teenager, there's pressure that if they do not offer their virginity or have sex, that they're somehow going to lose their partner. And in my opinion, if that's something they are already facing pressure about or concerns with, we've got a lot bigger issues to discuss rather than just whether or not to have sex. If that's all that they feel like they have to offer already at 14 or 15, we're, we're in trouble. So once we get past those discussions, we go ahead and proceed with the exam. Now on my teen patients, again, dependent upon the situation, we do do a head to toe physical examination, including breast exam, including pap smear, including pelvic examination, and I explain each step of the way what is going to happen. And I kind of pre-assess with the patient before I start explaining, you know, how much do you want to know of what's going on? Do you want me to talk you through it, or do you want me to just complete your examination and be done, and give them the opportunity to say what they want to know and what they don't want to know. And then I have them get dressed, and mind you, I make sure that my teen patients are fully clothed throughout the whole interview, throughout these whole discussions. They do not get undressed until just before it's time for their actual examination. And then I have them get dressed again before we have more discussion afterwards. And, and usually things go pretty well. I find out helpful information. I assure patients of, you know, the confidentiality of whatever they tell me. I make sure that they have their paperwork filled out appropriately with regards to who I may relay information to and that they understand what that means. And then we talk some more, we recap, we rediscuss the issues of why they're in the office in the first place. And then we go from there, and then everything is different from that point, whether they're here for birth control or STD discussion. Or just general health concerns, and I remind them that now they have their foot in the door and I'm available to them 24 7 for whatever else they might need. So let's sum up a little bit. The keys as far as a GYN visit for an adolescent are really your um, shades screening, that's their strengths, their school performance, their home life, their activities. Drugs or drug use, emotional screening, sexuality screening, and safety screening. The other keys are using a guidance approach, not a completely directive approach. Another key is talking with them, not at them. Another key is setting the tone right at the beginning of the visit and the desire for mutual interaction and the desire for them to attempt to speak for themselves whenever possible. Another key is setting the tone with the parent that it is routine in your practice to have a certain portion of the visit where you're interacting only with the patient. And then the last key is talking the patient through the examination and reassessing for any questions or concerns. I think it's key to let the teen patient know especially that you are there to hear them out, whatever it is, whatever it is that they need to say, because your main goal is to keep them safe and to value themselves and to guide them into practices that will keep them healthy. That's all I've got for now. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye.